Amen. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to see you guys as well. I'm uh, Pastor Stewart here at Calvary. I'm the lead pastor and uh, preach most of the time. Uh, others preach sometimes, but uh, generally it's me. Uh, and we're in Psalm 1. Thank you, uh, young people, for reading that. Uh, the marshals, I really appreciate them doing that. We're looking at Psalm 1. I'm calling this today Delight or Destruction because it lays out two paths. I- I'm sure that you've had a friend, a family member, a loved one, and you listen you know, to people that you might not ought to listen to. Uh, there's a song, and it's got a lyric in it, when are God's people going to pray and quit asking Oprah what to do? We, we, we just, sometimes we seek out advice in places we shouldn't. The Bible lets us know that God's counsel is true, God's counsel is right, and that we ought to go to Him. And so if we're walking in the wrong counsel, what's going to happen is eventually we're going to get around people who believe in those wrong ways, and we're going to just stop there. We're going to stop walking and start standing there. This is where I'm standing. But then thirdly, now you've quit standing, you've gone to sitting. Now, standing's one thing, but sitting down's another. You, you've come at rest. But in the Bible terms, that word sit is very interesting. You, you'll remember it from the story of Jesus. You read it in the book of Luke. That he goes to, when he's 30, he goes to the synagogue or, and, and, or the temple, and he reads the prophecies that are in Isaiah that are concerning him. But the Bible says this, and rolling up the scroll, handing it back, he sat down and began to teach. In the New Testament and the Old Testament, back in those days, the teacher never did what I'm doing. In, in, in American churches, in our culture, what we do is we stand behind this pulpit, we call it this we, some people call it the sacred desk because from here we proclaim the word of God and we stand up and we give speeches. But in the New Testament, Jesus taught, he sat down. And so if you're sitting in the seat of the scornful, you've now become an expert at being ungodly, sinning, and scornful. And you're teaching other people how to do the same thing. I mean, think about that scorn, the scorn that came at Moses when the people said, who made you our judge? Sort of like the modern saying, who died and made you boss? That's what they were saying to, to Moses. Uh, think about Elijah after he was carried up into heaven and Elisha is making his way back. And these young men come out and start mocking Elijah and Elisha, uh, calling them names. That is what it means to be scornful. And maybe if you're listening to me online or maybe even in this room, there have been times that you've been scornful about what God says. You've, you've dismissed God. You've, you've said, oh, that's crazy or that guy's crazy or that's horrible, or I don't believe in that. And you scorn what God is trying to give you as a precious gift, his presence and his love. And so here is these negative, are these negative commands that we should not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in that seat of the scornful. But, well, then what should we do? What is the positive of that? The positive comes in, in verse uh, 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, And in his law, he meditates day and night. He gets his joy, his delight in God's word. His delight is in God's word. Earlier, I was talking about the delight of the world. This is delight of the word. The Bible is God's written word. Jesus is God's living word. Jesus was the embodiment of the truth found in the Bible. And in fact, Jesus told us, study the scriptures, study this book, because in them you find eternal life. And he said, and these are what testify of me. Jesus lets us know that this book identifies and describes and explains who God is, who Jesus is, and that we should delight in his word. 
we forget sometimes when we're re- reading in the Old Testament some of these things that they did not have all of the scriptures yet. They didn't even have all the Old Testament in some of these cases. Many, much of the Old Testament is written even after this psalm was written. And so they are delighting in what? They're delighting in the books we try to avoid. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know, it gets kind of like, we don't even understand what's going on, so we kind of skim over, we just look for the little jewels we can find in there sometimes. And yet, the Bible commands us to delight in God's word, to delight in who God is. His delight is in the law of the Lord. How would you like that every Sunday I came in here and I just preached out of the book of uh, Deuteronomy, uh, or Leviticus, uh, you know, God said you got to build this temple, you got to build it this way, and if you're going to kill the lamb, you got to. He says, delight in that. Delight in God's commands. Why? Well, those Old Testament commands show us that, number one, we need a Savior because we can't keep all of those. We can't keep the simple Ten Commandments, much less all the ceremonial laws and all the other things that we find there. And so Jesus came and fulfilled that law for us. But we can delight in the Word because we see. It makes us see how imperfect we are and how perfect he is, how perfect Jesus is. But then it says not only to delight in it, but to meditate in it. He says to delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now, I've got to describe this word for you, because in modern language and understanding, the word meditate means to get really quiet, to empty your mind of all active thinking, and maybe even to hum a syllable, like hum, and blank out your mind. Now, let me just tell you, what you do when you do that is you put your brain in neutral. You no longer have any discernment. You open the door of your brain wide open. And let me make you a promise. Satan never walks by an open door that he doesn't turn in and go inside there. That is not what the Bible is talking about. It says meditate. The, the word meditate actually means to concentrate and contemplate on something and when we're talking about meditating in his word it means to think about what is God saying here and to meditate to consider to closely understand what God is saying I want to illustrate the importance of meditating because many of you might listen to this today Uh, you might listen to other preachers during the week you're hearing the word and there's really five things you ought to do with the word you ought to hear it you ought to read it you ought to study it you ought to memorize it but you also ought to meditate on it and so i'm going to illustrate that uh robert you're still in here somewhere come on up here brother uh this is robert he was playing guitar for us a little bit ago and and i went over this with him so he could help me out but a man named dawson trotman he founded a group called the navigators after world war ii and they and it was to help men to study and to memorize and meditate in the bible and he came up what he calls the hand illustration I just gave you five things. So the little finger, I'm going to start on this side. The little finger stands for hearing the word, then reading the word, then studying the word, then memorizing the word, and then meditating on the word. And I brought my old Bible in case we drop it. Um, I didn't want to, you know, drop my new one. Uh, so, so this is reading the word. So Robert is going to hold the Bible with his little finger, and I'm going to take the word away from him. Wow, that was easy. <laughs> he just was holding on with his little finger. But now, not only does he just hear it, now... If, He's starting to read it for himself, so he's got two-finger grip on it. Uh, That was a little harder, but I still got it out of there. But now he's going to take a step further. He's actually going to study it. What does this really mean? So he's got a three-finger hold on it. I'm glad you're not using your uh, other fingers. Those are stronger. Um, uh, Where he picks that guitar. Look, I still got it away from him. 
it's good. He, he didn't let go of it easily. But now not only is he doing that, he's memorizing it. Man, he's got a four-finger hole on the Bible. Ah, it was hard, but I, I knew how to get it out of there. But now he's meditating on it, okay? He's got that thumb involved. He is holding on. He's thinking about it. And when I go to take it from him, it's a whole lot harder. Thank you, brother. It's a whole lot harder. I might could have wrestled it from him. But man, that was harder. Listen, the devil wants to take away the word of God out of your life. Jesus used the illustration of a man sowing seed, and he talks about the types of ground. We always talk about the sower and the seed, but the story is really about the dirt. I, I did a little devotional for a grammar school one time. I called it, What Kind of Dirt Are You? Because it says he put some, some of it fell on rocky soil, and the roots didn't go very deep, and it got burned up. Some of it fell among thorns, and it choked them out. But it said some up fell on good ground and it sprung up and it bore fruit and it increased and more and more. When we meditate on God's word, we become like that soil. That, that plant can grow in us. And in fact, that's the very illustration used right here in scripture. Look at verse 3. He is like a tree planted by, the, by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and all he does prospers. I want you to think about that. Here's the result of delighting in God. The result of delighting in God. First of all, you become a tree planted. Think about that word. I, I skimmed over that so many times. Oh yeah, a tree planted by the river water. It's, it's sort of like you might be walking somewhere and you come upon a river and there's a tree right by there. I, I don't know if you know much about willow trees. If you want, ever put a willow tree in, on your property, don't put it near your house. Because the roots will grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until they find a water source. And if you have a house and you've got a well or a septic system, it'll find that water source. And it'll break through those pipes and it'll get in those pipes and clog them up. Some people may have seen that before and that, that willow tree will find water and man it sucks a lot of water up into it and it blooms out it's a beautiful tree it's a wonderful tree but it takes a lot for it to be healthy a lot of water for it to be healthy here he says this tree is planted by the river of water it's not a wild tree it's not just oh he happened to land there god plants it there you see when you delight yourself in god god brings you to the source and plants you by it. Over in John 15, we see Jesus using the same idea and illustration in the idea of the vine and the branches. He said that he is the vine and we are the branches. And, and, and if you think about that, again, I'm, I, I'm not a horticulturist or a botanist or whatever the big words are that you call that. I don't know much about plants. I'm more or less a hospice for plants. I, I see them die. But, but if you think about that, you've got this branch and that that vine and that branch is embedded in the vine. Why? Because the branch that is going to bear the fruit, its source is found in the vine. And the vine source is found in the roots. Well, the root of the vine is God himself. And then Jesus is the vine. And then we're the branch. And he says, abide in me. In other words, live in me. Stay in me. Don't leave me. Don't get out of my presence. Be hooked in there. And here's that same imagery that we are a tree planted by a river of water. Man, the roots are right there. They're just always getting all the, the water and nutrition that it needs. And it says because of that, its leaf never fails and its fruit is always there. It says it yields its fruit in season. When it's time to give fruit, you've got everything you need to make that fruit. 
You've got, you're full of the resources of minerals and vitamins. I, I take a multivitamin every day. I'm older for one reason. And plus, I just, you know, not, not sure I'm getting everything in my food. And I, I don't go crazy, but I, I take a multivitamin. I, I even start taking some minerals. I had, I had an older guy tell me some of my joints were hurting. And he told me a, a way to get some uh, help with that by a natural process. And start taking some uh, uh, minerals uh, through something. And it, and it did. It helped my joints. I was missing something because I wasn't getting the supply I needed into my body. And so this tree, it's got everything it needs. And when it's time to bear fruit, not a problem. And it becomes an evergreen because it's always got help flowing into it. It's leaf never withers even even if it's not an evergreen tree think about this if you are a tree in a desert you're not going to get very big you don't find forests in deserts that's why it's a desert right so like the guy applied for a job to be a lumberjack they said you got any experience he said yeah i worked for many years in the sahara forest he said didn't you mean sahara desert he said yeah now i gave you a time to laugh at home um you know, it, it, there's no trees in deserts. Why? Because there's not a water source. And so that leaf withering, you can imagine a tree in a, in a place even here in the south. But man, what if, what if we didn't have rain for a year? Even trees would start drying up and dying, right? You've got to have that water source to stay alive. And the Bible is telling us that when we meditate on God and when we meditate on his word, we're like a tree planted by a river that never runs dry. Now, I will point out also just the imagery of a river is carried out in the New Testament and in the book of Revelation representing the Holy Spirit. That's one of the representations of the Holy Spirit. There are others. But if you even read in Revelation, at the end of time, it says there's the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb, Christ. And between the thrones flows out a river. A river of life, and the tree of life is planted on that river, and it bears a new fruit every month in heaven. That's amazing, and, and there's, this, there's the same idea we find in, in, here in Psalm 1, that, that God will give you what you need if you are drawing your energy from him, and look at what it says. You prosper in everything you do. God will bless what you do because you're doing it in his will, by his strength and his source. We, we don't do what we do. If we do things in our own strength, it will fail. It's doomed to failure because we're imperfect. But if it's God giving the means and the ways to do it, it cannot fail. But there's a warning right there in verse 4. It says, the wicked are not so. It's actually a double negative. Not so. For the wicked, not so. It says it twice, really. It's saying there is no way that's going to happen for the wicked. In fact, they are that dried up chaff. It says... They're they are like chaff the wind drives away. That's that hard outer shell around wheat. You, you, you beat that until it cracks and breaks and goes away. It's just a dry hull. It has no life in it. It, it, it protects life sometimes, but, but it's just a dry hull. And once you break it away, it just blows away in the wind. The man that does not delight himself in God is just a dried up shell. And any wind of adversity blows it away. But when you're delighting in God's word, there's nothing that moves you off. In the Old Testament, it says that, that when we meditate in God, when we, when we fix our heart on him, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing by any means will offend them, will, will bring harm to them. That we delight ourselves in God's word, and we set our heart on him, and then 
we are not pulled away, we're not blown away by the things in life. In fact, in that verse before it, verse 3, it says, everything he does shall prosper. In Romans eight twenty eight, it says, for those that love God, everything works together for good. And so we can have that promise of God. And then the psalm ends. Here is God's delight. We delight in his word, the results of delight, but here's God's delight. I want you to catch this. He, he continues with the idea of the wicked. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, I want you to think about that. The, the wicked have a doom in front of them. They only have hell facing them. But he says the righteous, God knows our way. and In fact, he's watching over us. But did you notice something? We have those same three things of walking, standing, and sitting. In fact, you can outline the book of Ephesians that way. The first two chapters of the book of Ephesians is that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. It tells us where that tree planted at the river of life. In the middle two uh, chapters, it tells us how we ought to live our life, how we ought to walk in this life. And in the last two chapters, it talks about taking a stand against sin and against evil by the strength of God. So that sit, walk, and stand is also a positive thing for those who know God. But here we see it again in a negative way for those who don't know God. They can't stand in the judgment. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be standing there because they will be. But what it does mean is they won't be standing when it's done. You, you know the phrase, last man standing. It's sort of like when a, when a violent contest, maybe a game of football or boxing, the last guy standing, the one that survives it, is the winner. Well, in judgment, the wicked won't be standing at the end of judgment. We will be, but not because we're good, because Jesus is good and he gave us his righteousness. And so we will stand in judgment. And when judgment is over, we will have been purified and God will have taken care of all of our sin. But the wicked, not so. They will not be able to stand or to remain standing in judgment. They're going to fall. And it says, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You're not going to be able to sit among the righteous either uh, you know <laughs> we have a few people in here our skeleton crew that puts this on uh, not that they're skeletons but a smaller crew that puts all this on uh, for us every week helps us to do this and so I appreciate them being here so it gives me somebody that I can look at and I, it's hard to just look at a camera and talk so I really appreciate them being here but but boy when when we're all meeting together you come in and you sit down now I don't know about you I get so excited on Sunday it's hard for me to stay seated that's why I preach so I don't have to just sit there the whole time it, it can get boring doing that but here's what he's saying is you don't have a part with the righteous the bible tells us in in the new testament again jesus talks about a farmer sowed a field of wheat but his enemy came and sowed a, a, a weed in there called a tear t-a-r-e i don't know what a tear is but it's a weed that until the wheat plant produces the fruit the wheat it looks just like a tear and a tear looks like the wheat and so the the guy that was taking care of the farm asked the owner of the farm, do you want me to pull up the tares? And he said, no, because you can't tell the difference. You might pull up the wheat by mistake. He said, just wait. Their fruit will bear it out. And he said, that's what's going to happen at the end of time. When judgment comes, the fruit of our life will say whether or not we are a tree planted by the river of water where we've been bearing fruit and our leaves not withering and our life prospering. And I don't mean that just financially, but that we have spiritual uh, gain on God's investment in us. But the wicked, they got nothing. They're just chaff. They have nothing to bring.
to God's throne. And then that last phrase there in this psalm, but the way of the wicked will perish. They're, they're, they, they can't stand, they can't sit, and their way, their walk, is a way of destruction. And it's going to go away. You see, for the Christian, we don't die, we just change address. We move from where we live now in this body to heaven. And when we do, we don't cease to live, we just live in a new place. But the Bible describes it for the wicked to die physically, that they will die eternally in hell. That they are never consumed, but they are tormented forever and ever and ever. And so their way, the way they were walking, when we walk with God, one day we're walking here, and then the next moment we're walking in heaven. But for them, they're going to find themselves walking in wickedness and then finding themselves in the place of the wicked dead. But here's the great hope in the midst of all that. In verse 6, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. How about that? David said it another way. He says, he knows when I stand up. He knows when I sit down. He knows my thoughts from afar. He knows the word even before I say it, before it leaves my mouth. He already knows what I'm going to say. God is watching us. God is with us. God knows every need of our life. Sometimes uh, people pray, I pray. My, my wife encourages me to pray. I thank God for a praying wife. And sometimes I realize that what I'm praying, God's already taken care of. You know, we say it anyway. I think God told us to pray just for our own sake, not for his. He already knows. He's got it handled. But he wants us, I think, to be aware of what he's doing in our life. And when we pray about those things, we realize, wow, God is involved in my life. He is working in my life. He's watching where I am. Job said it this way. I can see up there where God is working, but I can't see God. I, can, I know he's back there, and I look behind me, and I know he's working there, but I, I can't see him there. And I hear him over here on the left hand, and I see something happening on the right, but I don't see him. But then he says, but he knows the way I take. And when he is done with me, I will come forth as gold. Job, in the midst of suffering, understood that God was at work all around him, yet he couldn't get a hold of God. He couldn't see God, but he trusted that God was watching him. And, of course, God shows up and talks to Job and helps him let him know what he's doing in his life. Listen, you, you may be in a crisis that doesn't have anything to do with, with uh, COVID-19. It might, it might be, a, or it may have been sparked by that, or it may not have been. You may be in, in the midst of some kind of trouble. My question is, in the midst of all that, in the midst of living your life every day, even if you don't have any troubles, is your delight in God's Word? Are you meditating in God's Word? Or are you stewing and, and, and thinking about all the things that are going wrong? And even more importantly, how have you set the course of your life? How have you determined where you're going to go and what you're going to do? Here the Scripture encourages us and tells us, in fact, commands us, not to go in the negative way, but to go in that positive way. God is always knowing. In fact, this verse is not a one-time God knows, sort of like, yeah, he knows. It, it's, it's in a fluid sense. God is always knowing the way that I'm taking. I never, God never looks around. Listen, I get distracted real easily. I got a condition that makes me do that sometimes. And I can be in a store with my wife. And I will see something, and I'll turn to look at it, and I'll look up, and she's just gone. I've had to pull out the cell phone to find her in a store because I get so separated, I get lost in the place. It's crazy. I just quit paying attention. God never quits paying attention. The Bible says that he that watches Israel doesn't slumber nor sleep. His eye is always on us. His eye is always watching out for us. His eye always knows where we are. 
And so when we trust in him and when we follow him and find him, we have a lot of peace in knowing that, as Job said, even if he slays me, yet I will trust him. Because our lives are going to end one day anyhow. And I would rather have walked in the ways of God than in the ways of the world. There's peace now, but there's also a hope to come. You see, God's word gives us a light to our path. But because we know him, his Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. So we have a presence in the darkness. And I pray that today you'll meditate on Psalm 1. In fact, this coming week, I want to encourage you to meditate on Psalm 23 this coming week. Because I'll be preaching on that next week. But let me ask you this. You need to, or tell you this, you need to make it a point to start every day in God's word. Even before you turn on the news. In fact, I would... Super encourage you to do it before you turn on the news. Don't, don't do that. If you've got to get up a little earlier to just read the Word of God, to get into the Word of God, to know the Word of God, you may have to come back and study it later, but start your day at least reading something out of God's Word. At least, but start your day with God. And then secondly, judge where you are planted by the fruit that you're producing. Do you have good fruit? Do you have healthy fruit? Do you have good profit for God's investment in your life? Or is it kind of dried up and shriveled up and maybe no fruit at all? I, I can't be any man's judge. I, I, I'm not qualified to do that for several reasons. One, I'm a sinner myself. I need, I need a righteous judge. And secondly, I don't know everything about you, but God does. And Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll know them. So examine the fruit of your life and ask yourself, where am I planted? Am I planted by a river of water? And if you don't know Christ, if you don't know the Lord, just cry out to him. Say, I want to be one of those planted trees. I want you to place me in your kingdom. Forgive me of my sin. Accept me into your kingdom. And Jesus said, all that come to me, I won't throw any of them out. I'll bring them in. So if you will cry out to God, I can promise you he'll answer that. Not because I know it, because Jesus said it. But if you are a Christian, really examine the fruit of your life. And decide that you want to, like the willow tree, go send a root over there to find that water source. Abide in the vine, be that branch that's hooked into Jesus. And draw the life of God into your life. This week, again, I want to encourage you to meditate on Psalm 23. It's a beautiful story of God's protection over us, even when we can't protect ourselves. And by the way, here's a hint. It's talking about Jesus. Let's pray.